0: to a spooky Halloween special edition of the Hit or Miss Big Screen podcast. Uh, If you've been keeping up with our social medias or you've checked out the thumbnail, you will know that for this special Halloween release, we are going to be reviewing, appropriately enough, two movies called Halloween. The first, John Carpenter's original from 1978, and the second, uh, the sequel to that, which bizarrely is also just called Halloween, but from 2018 uh, by David Gordon Green uh, directing it. Um, and just to give you a little tiny bit of backstory, uh, first of all, I'm not, I'm not on my own. I'm being joined. I'm Mike, of course, and I'm being joined by Will, as usual. So your two main hosts are here. Mm. Say hello, Will. I've already heard this episode is a thriller as much as the sound was. It was very (laughs) horrific, indeed. Um, So just yeah, just to fill everybody in on the backstory of this, uh, I am the resident expert when it comes to all things Halloween, the movie franchise, (laughs) Um, because I have uh, I've seen all the movies. I some of them way way more than others, but I've definitely seen all of them. Uh, Fan of them all, I would say, Uh, but especially love one or two of them that we'll get into. Uh, Will has not, or previously had not seen any of them, but I did ask him to watch for this review, just the 78 original and the twenty eight.
1: If I I was literally uh, going into this review blind, it would make for a very good review if I hadn't watched it, would it?
0: Yeah exactly yeah but yeah. no Will has watched the two things we're reviewing but doesn't really know anything else about the kind of the overall lore or backstory or references therein so I will try to mention them in, in passing but obviously they won't necessarily mean anything to you if you haven't seen the whole franchise which you know it's it's good enough I think on its own to to warrant a, a watch but mm. uh, regardless Um, So, yeah, what it is, basically, as I said, we're going to review, first of all, Halloween 1978, the uh, John Carpenter classic. We'll get into probably straight after that a little bit of some audience interaction regarding that movie. Then we'll give our conclusion and score, which is always out of five stars. Then we'll discuss Halloween 2018 uh, back and forth and then do the same audience interaction and uh, conclusion. And hopefully that shouldn't come to too long. But, uh, yeah, just, uh, as I say, a special Halloween treat. So do enjoy it and Yeah, we'll start things off, I believe, with John Carpenter's Halloween 1978. Uh, So let's just say that this this movie is something that it means uh, quite a lot to me personally. I think it's got a a well-deserved reputation. Um, And just in case you are unfamiliar with it, basically the quick summary in terms of what I can give you is that basically the movie opens with a six-year-old boy murdering his sister um, and then but quickly flashes forward to around 15 years later to Halloween 1978, when the same now adult man uh, stalks various babysitters and things around where he lived in the town of Haddonfield, Illinois, uh, and goes on a murderous rampage. And that's more or less all there is to it. Um, Hmm. So, yeah, Uh, the movie within itself opens with what I think are some really cool evocative credits. Um, You know, the the blocky orange text with the little uh, Jack O' Lanterns, but it's all, uh, hauntingly like lit against just pure black and it's got that really cool John uh, Carpenter music because he did the music for the film too, which yeah. I really love. Um, to me, it's just, it, it feels like Halloween
1: in these credits. It's really cool and uh, sets the mood. I think the music really aids that. The music is fantastic and it does feel like Halloween. It feels like, of course, in the context of the movie, it feels like murder music, like, ooh, <laughs> eerie. But to me, this is, if Halloween was a soundtrack, this is what I think it would sound like.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah and it's the same with like I said the visuals and everything they really work I mean I know they're just regular credits but for me they, they set the tone for the film to come really well because it is a piece that's quite about the atmosphere
1: um, I mean it's lit very really well like it goes yeah, yeah. to the eye as well and then it goes yes. yeah, 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 black and then you just see the orange of the nose and the eye yeah, yeah it's Close. very beautiful The slow zoom
0: in is really cool as well, yeah. But um, the other thing I wanted to mention while we're talking about credits, though, is that although we call this movie John Carpenter's, and, you know, it is directing-wise his. So, yeah, I did want to give a shout-out in terms of while we're talking about the credits to the the late, great Deborah Hill as well, who um, is basically the co-creator of the franchise with John Carpenter. Um, She doesn't get a whole lot of credit, and I think um, it's worth pointing out that she did kind of co-write the movie. And uh, even Jamie Lee Curtis herself has said she's a huge uh, part of the character of Laurie Strode. She's kind of the the inspiration behind it, and she's a lot of what she brought to the character and what she was on the page. So I just wanted to quickly mention her before we, uh, we carry on any further, because, yeah, this is where her name comes up in the credits, so it made the most sense to me. So, yeah, that's, that's basically, like, you don't get these nowadays in films, but that's, like, just a credits that leads you into the movie. Uh, so then we get the very first scene, of course, which, as I said, takes place, in 1962,
1: I believe, something along those lines. I've uh, rem- remembered this better than you. It was 1963. 63. Well, I knew it was 15 but years ago. I remember Boston, that because yeah. it was um, Doctor Who's start year. So I remember. There that. we go. <laughs> but yeah, so basically, as I
0: said, I like the fact that it puts you in the point of view of the killer, even though it's only a little boy. From the start, um, and this is something that, although Halloween wasn't necessarily the first slasher, there were films that came before it. They were almost all about like voyeurism and, um, you know, p- putting you in that place. So I think that's a deliberate decision by uh, Carpenter and everyone uh, involved in, in the direction and the staging of it. Um, and again, like the sort of what slasher films would become. Uh, there's an argument that, of course, that it's all about punishing your transgressions. So naturally, it opens with Judith Myers, Michael's sister, um, you know, kids. in in, uh, in quite a sexual situation. She's basically not as interested in kind of babysitting or anything. She's off with her boyfriend. They sneak upstairs, um, you know. So it, the, the uh, I think implication there is quite clear. Uh, but it's also clear that Michael Myers, this is the first time he puts on a mask, even though it's just a
1: clown mask that they were playing around with. Um, It must have been an incredibly quick shock. They literally went upstairs. The the kid just walks into the house and then he's just leaving again. We
0: don't know what specifically happened, but in any case, we're not going to hang around and wait for like ages in a movie wise. But yeah, movie logic uh, in any case. It happens later. Yeah. Uh, In any case, though, it's nice that I I really love the touch that even as he puts on the mask, um, the camera is covered by the mask. So we now only see through the holes of the mask because we're still in the killer's POV. Um, which is a really cool touch, and it also prevents it from getting too gory because you don't necessarily see a whole lot of the actual stabbing, um, other than to know that it's basically in the woman's, uh, you know, <laughs> breast. shall is there? As uh, I know, they couldn't
1: probably show it as explicitly yeah. as possible, but it would have been better than what we did see, which literally was just like a pan up to the right. To me it wasn't well done because he's looking up to the right and the knife is so high up like the camera is panning up towards the top of the windowsill yet he's only a little boy and then she's sitting down so i it would make sense if he's like the point of where the camera is pointing and the height of the knife first of all it implies that he's not small second of all it implies that he's just stabbing middle off the air because she's not that tall. She's on the seat. So I don't think it's well done in that respect at all. And why is the kid outside in the first place? Why was he outside? What do you mean? I
0: mean, we start the movie Oh, he's outside. He's outside because the implication is it's like Halloween night and people are out trick-or-treating. And like I said, his sister was probably supposed to be babysitting but wasn't as interested. So she was like, yeah, just go play outside because I'm horny or whatever. Um, But no, I I have to disagree with you on that. I think the way it's staged is really good because it isn't... This movie, particularly for its time, isn't really about like gory, straight up showing you that kind of thing. And if you compare it to things like, for example, the shower scene in Psycho where it is just basically... It's all implied. It's like you see a knife plunge down a few times. Then you see blood. It's not, you know, explicit. But in this case, you do actually see the aftermath and everything quite clearly enough um, when sort of Judith rolls over and she's, you know, covered in blood and has clearly been stabbed. Um, yeah. But I never really found it particularly, you know, bad or, or poorly staged in any way. Regardless, though, anyway, that, that basically ends with Michael going outside and the camera finally switching us away from point of view to see that it is just
1: this little boy. This um, was an excellent twist. Like, yeah, I've never seen this franchise before. So, yeah, just being exposed to that for the first time was incredible.
0: Yeah, it is. It's, uh, I mean, yeah, it's hard to really capture the impact of that once. Like, I me, mean, you've seen this so many times, but I would yeah, imagine... It took
1: me by surprise because of how it was shot. It implied mm. that it was tall, but yeah. apparently not
0: no 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 i I think it's more like the the knife was just raising up and whatever else but yeah it could also have been i guess a mislead or what have you but anyway obviously you know clearly this boy was there was no like grand plan or anything because he just walks outside and is immediately got as it is by his parents that are coming back home and see what's happened and obviously as the movie makes clear he just ends up in a sanitarium for the next 15 years and doesn't speak another word so um, Mm. you know there's no real but I kind of like that that's kind of it's better than trying to give Myers for me and this is a debate that will go back and forth but it's better than trying to give him motivation and like a reason for all these things I kind of like I think it's scary that there is not necessarily a reason and it
1: doesn't go into it Um, I'm just going to say like this franchise is like 20 movies strong or something like that and I know only a couple of canon nowadays however Surely there's got to be one that actually kind of delves into... There the is, I was... Yeah, like I was just going
0: to say, but that's the thing. That's what makes it divisive. Rob Zombie, when he remade this movie in 2007, um, which is literally a remake of this, he spent mm-hmm. the entire, like, sort of first half an hour dealing with the backstory of Myers as a young boy and, like, how he used to enjoy torturing animals when he had an abusive relationship with his parents and stuff. But to be perfectly honest, I think that's really weak. Like, it, it ruins the any sort of well, this is just a meaningless kind of just evil shape chasing people and you don't have to have like motivation for it. You don't need to know that he was a psychopath as a young man and what potential reasons there is for this because it defeats the point of even Loomis saying like that there's nothing behind his eyes. It's just pure evil. So for me, again, that's way more effective and more scary. But there is, I guess, debate about that. With some people yeah. that some people that love the Rob Zombie film would say, "Oh, it's great that it gives you that bit extra." Personally, I don't think so. I think it's mm. it's not needed. Um,
1: it's a bit of a trope that, like, if there's a character in a franchise or whatever that's slightly miserable or unhappy then suddenly they've got some tragic backstory. So it doesn't exactly, yeah. as, as much, at least. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it sort of points
0: out that he's a bit like that, but then, as I said, it does seem a little bit like at times the movie is trying to find justification for it. And it's like, again, that's, that defeats the point. There's not really... Like I said, I see the character, this has been said by other people, by the director and stuff, but the character is meant to be like a force of nature, like, the, for example, the shark from Doors or like a hurricane or something. So it's not about, like, what's the motivation behind it so much as just this thing is going to kill you and you need to get out of the way, <laughs> which makes it way more effective than just, ooh, let's see if we can
1: appeal to his psychological weak point or whatever. Mm. Um, but And it's yeah. kind of delved in the 2018 version slightly by, um, I'm not... Can't remember the actor's name, but I'm sure we'll touch upon it later. Mm. But that movie does try to take a more philosophical route with the whole psyche of Michael Myers. But well, I agree does, with you. Yeah. I agree with you
0: that what do you mean? It does, but I think the whole point is that that's like a big mislead because at the end it just sort of points out. Well, we, we, we there's nothing. I'll get into it when we talk about that specific movie. Around. But ultimately, th- there's no motivation there or anything. It's all just other people are pointing. Myers in specific directions that they want him to go. And he's just like, oh, okay. Um, so he's, yeah. people aren't really like, he's got no motivation. He's just doing whatever's the, the, you know, other people are pointing him and he's going in the route, whatever forward direction they appoint him, uh, which again, I kind of like that, but again, we'll get into that later. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Um, speaking though of the sort of future movies and stuff I do uh, when I watch this, cause I just rewatched this for about the hundredth time uh, just mm-hmm. a day or two ago. Um, and it was interesting watching it after watching Halloween Kills, which I won't get too much into because I know, Will, you haven't seen that yet. And we're reviewing How it. We later. are going to be reviewing that in a, f- a few weeks' time. Yeah. We, yeah, we are reviewing that later. But watching the scene of um, uh, Donald Pleasant's Loomis the character and his nurse go to the sanitarium where Myers has escaped, there's a good couple of shots there, including the exact same actress and character which are mirrored in Halloween kills um which I mention here because that happens in 2018 as well so I think it shows that a lot of this staging and kind of how iconic these shots have become um really work like well for their atmosphere and again it's it's done in kind of the dark and it's nervous tension the music's the same it starts off slowly and then you get the gradual build-up of Oh, since when do they let the uh, patients just roam around outside? And
1: you see, that's yeah. a great line, and the whole sequence leading up to the gate is really freaky. Like it yeah. reminded me of the World uh, enough and time with the uh, mm. Cybermen in the white sheets, and it reminded me of that because they weren't really in focus in mm. this film in Halloween um, because they were in like fields and all because of the lighting, you could only really see the clothing. Yeah. And well, they weren't the focus, was, yeah, that's the point. Yeah, and the thing is, that was really good, and I loved it. But then we actually got to the car scene, like when they're actually on top of the car. Mm. And first of all, the sound design, I really liked. There's one moment I didn't love
0: where it goes a little uh, bit. There's yeah. one cartoony noise as, like, Myers jumps up, but that's about it, and it's it's excusable.
1: Yeah, yeah. but the only kind of see, like little moment in that is the bit where – one of the patients, or it might be Michael. I think think it's Michael. Michael. Oh, okay, but it smashes the car window. Yeah, that's Myers. That's
0: the only bit I like in that. No. that's definitely Michael Myers. You're supposed to like, when it comes to the car, it's him that specifically jumps on it and then steals it to make his escape. Cause yeah. you can see like he leaves the nurse, but um talking about that scene. I wanted to shout out Donald Pleasance, who was brilliant throughout the movie. Um, but yes. it, it immediately starts off with, again, setting you up for the perfect kind of atmosphere and tone for the movie when uh, she, the nurse is calling him kind of heartless. Cause he's like, well, I just, I don't believe he should be ever let out, but it's the law. But I'm telling you, this just pure evil, this guy, there's nothing else there. And then um, even to the, like, exasperated once he's escaped in the car and he's like, it's gone, the evil has left this place, no one is safe kind of thing, Um, Mm -hmm. which I think that's a performance that's really good and you kind of need in these kinds of movies, which I do think a few of the sequels kind of lack. That's just my personal opinion anyway. I mean, I haven't seen him, so I can't judge. Well, I mean, Total Pleasance is in the first few in that role. But then, as I say, I'm thinking like Halloween 2018 doesn't really have that character. And I think it could benefit from it a little bit, I maybe. Mean, did he pass away in '95 like, or something? Yeah, yeah, no, he did. But again, we'll talk about it later. What it does with his substitute, I don't agree with. But that's a different movie uh, for a later point in the review today. Um, but yeah. Uh, I did want to say here as well that I personally just love the music. I can't get enough of John Carpenter's theme. I think it's really good, um, even though I know other people have issues, and I know you've said it kind of gets overplayed.
1: Um, oh, it absolutely gets overplayed. I don't know when you were watching it if you kind of looked out for it, but every hmm. single time there was a transition scene between locations, and it didn't really cut from one to another straight away. There was also like uh, always like a car moving with hmm. Michael in to uh, like. go to different characters and every single time the music played and that happened every 10 minutes and I just thought for God's sake and the thing is if you're going to play it at least have some kind of payoff but there are some there are multiple times where we just saw Michael stalking them which is fine we see about six times and it begs the question well it doesn't beg the question because obviously there's an answer but why did it take so long to actually get to the action and the killings because there's a lot of misleading moments it's like oh there's going to be this is going to be the time that it happens like when the friend goes into the laundry room outside and then that whole sequence is like comes to nothing and i just think oh that's an extra 10 minutes down the drain well, this is where
0: happened. this is where we also have a massive disagreement because that's the point. It's building up suspense. Oh, I, it's kind I, of...
1: I know. I, I said it begs the question, but it doesn't because it has an answer. But I don't appreciate it going on for so long because you have about four instances of that throughout the movie well, where it could have got going but it didn't see i do appreciate that. i think
0: that's what makes kind of the movie for me because i think the, the point that the music is like i've said before it's kind of like the music when you know the shark is about to attack in jaws and it does it gives you like a pavlovian response because you're waiting for something to happen um because i think the music is it makes you tense anyway it's so that kind of music that is kind of you know, your teeth are on edge listening to it or whatever, anyway. So you're waiting for something to happen. And then, after a few times, the whole point is it lulls you into that false sense of security because you're like, after the third or fourth time when nothing has happened, I think you, you, you're maybe starting to relax, even though the music is eerie. And that's why it's such a shock when yeah, it does happen. Yeah. Well, yeah, again, that's different generations, I suppose. But, um, yeah, Maybe I like the fact really that Now
1: I know what's coming. Because it, first time, I didn't know what to expect.
0: I think it would be it better first time. time. That's the whole point. Like I said, it basically lulls yeah. you in with, like, something's going to
1: happen. Oh, no, you're safe. And then I mean, once you think you three, are... For, like 40-odd times, but you still yeah. think it's great or whatever. You think, oh, think it's just master I think it's you. better than me, better than what I think of it. Mm. But you've watched it many times. So... I don't think that holds up like first time is going to be the best. Like, I yeah. I re and prefer it. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. But I mean, like
0: in terms of the impact for what I think the director and the filmmaking side of things was going for, I think the whole point is that it's, it's it's more frightening and scary and when you don't know what's
1: going to happen oh, yeah. when, um, perhaps, but regardless. Yeah, um, but, quickly um i did mention in my review and it, it'll be in my conclusion day when i read it out that often i was filling in the blanks a bit uh because i got myself worked up quite a bit because you know I, i'm a wuss i haven't mm. mentioned this on the recording but i hate horror films uh, mm. i don't hate how they're made not at all, but i just hate being scared because mm. horror films really scare me and with this um yes it's For me, it's a negative that it does get take a long time to actually get to the murder because it's a 90-minute film, but you don't have the main antagonist doing anything until the final third, which I don't really appreciate. However, it did make me scared many times, and I think that made the payoff, especially when... um, jimmy lee Curtis is in the house at the end and then all the bodies are slowly revealed well quickly revealed to be honest with you in different areas of the house yeah and then it made me it just made me think holy crap there were a handful more deaths mm-hmm. in this film but they all happen in the final half hour so that's why i think the final half hour is terrifically excellent and the way the director kind of led up to that point I have issue with, but it, it did make the end of rewarding. I would say so; it did its job in that perspective, which yeah. you did mention there. So it, we'll we'll, it really we'll talk about
0: yeah, we'll talk about the ending when we get there. I think we're in agreement with there, but I think we're also in disagreement about the build-up which I'm kind of um, that that's more what I'm focusing on at this point before we get there because I think there's a lot there and I do like to, in terms of like uh, getting back to where we were because it's quite a little bit further back although it doesn't make it like explicit like oh, we'll stop from miles of exposition it does actually explain where Myers gets the overalls the William Shatner mask and the, um, that Judith Myers' tombstone is missing which would become important later um, so that's nice yeah um, I've mentioned already, like I said, I love the little Maya stalking the girls thing. And I've mentioned why, um, there's another trope here that comes up which I don't love in horror movies but I guess it's I I don't mind because it's a necessity at this point which is the sheriff and everybody like oh there's no real danger it'll be fine until eventually you know shit hits fan and then they all immediately regret oh crap there is something serious here I do like as I said Michael sort of stalking Annie and hiding behind the bushes and that kind of thing Um, and this not to sound like a complete psychopath but I like that um, Michael even kills a dog at this point to kind of show you that like nothing is uh, nothing is sacred and everything's kind of like that all bets are off because that would never normally happen it's like in a movie you could do what you want but Mm -hmm. don't kill the dog but like Michael is just that animalistic and psychopath
1: Michael is back guys
0: (laughs) but yeah and this is where (laughs) you you get um, this is where you get young Tommy Tommy whatever his name is uh, Tommy from the movie seeing uh, Michael and declaring that he's the boogeyman and he looks like the boogeyman and whatever else Um, and again I like that because it's great tension and build up and again we know the audience that Tommy has seen this and he's telling the truth but the other characters don't necessarily Um, and this is obviously this is when you get Annie being killed in the movie, the sheriff's daughter I believe Um, and she's killed because she dumps the girl she's babysitting with Laurie and she's heading off to meet her boyfriend Um, and then she gets strangled in the car on the way there so again it's the whole punishing transgressions thing um, hmm. Which again feeds into the next one because that's when Linda and Bob arrive in what would have been the house where Annie is, uh, which they've arranged. To obviously, have like a bit of a meeting in. Uh, they find the place empty, and then you get the gratuitous sex scene that I think has become a staple of these type of slashes. So that's when you get to see. <laughs> a, you, you know, if you're into, it. if you're into that kind of thing, you get a Linda topless scene and uh, gratuitous thing. You know full well you're into that stuff. Not hugely, but that's again, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a trope, and it's what kind of happens with the genre, and it's you know, but. Yeah. So then, as I said, not only do you have like the gratuitous sex scene that they're punished for, but also it's when Bob goes to get a beer, ooh, alcohol. Uh, and that's when you get what I think is one of the more iconic uh, killings in the movie. Because so, as you said, it's the kind of the first time that I think it's really ramped itself up to this level. And you get him like pinning Bob to the wall, weirdly, like part way up, uh, which is really cool. Then you get him like imitating Bob with the sheet and his glasses to kind of look like a ghost. And do that kind of fake-out thing of, um, of Linda being like, "Oh, what are you going to do? And then eventually getting killed for her own stupidity and uh, transgressions, probably. Which, again, you know, these, this is when the movie's stepping up, I think, into the next gear and giving you the killings that you've perhaps been expecting or waiting for. Um and that's obviously when Laurie ends up going over to see, because she sees that something's going on and finds that, um, this is the first example of something that becomes quite a trope in the franchise as well, that Michael Myers, although he is a horrible homicidal killer, does weirdly seem to have a bit of a flair for the artistic. So he has organized all the bodies and his
1: sister's tombstone and everything in a little oh, tableau, wow. <laughs> which it I think is... so frustrating the moment you just mentioned. You know that kid that, yeah. that she's sin. Yeah, yeah. She baby. literally see- The figure of michael myers outside right Mm. and lori i think her name is she just completely forgets the experiences that she's been going through she has been being stalked across the day across the week or whatever no across the day but then by the afternoon she completely forgets and then when the kid sees the figure she completely disregards it
0: I don't think she forgets as much as that she wasn't. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily expect it to be a mass yeah. killer, and at this point, it's not like you could say, "Oh, there's like," because as you point out, there's not a body count or whatever. So she probably just thought it's a creepy, like, pervert guy or whatever earlier in the yeah, day.
1: She doesn't even get that impression. You literally just say... she just says to the kid, "There's nothing well, there," without it, even really looking. And if that's well, to again, reassure the kid... yeah, if it to is. To reassure the kids, I can understand. But then have a moment after that where she kind of just is in isolation by herself, and then she has a really, like, philosophical moment where she just thinks, I don't think you know hey, why not? Because she, you know, again, it doesn't touch upon the fact that she has been being stalked by this guy throughout the day. Well,
0: because she's not specifically the only one being stalked. It's everyone. And as I'm saying, even then, they don't really see him. That's the point. It's like they could do... Yeah, but they, she
1: feels like she's could the just one be isolated older. by the incident because all her friends don't believe her.
0: Well, yeah, I guess. But even then, like you said, she even points out later in the movie to Tommy to stop talking about the boogeyman and everything because he's scaring Lindsay. And she does kind of go on the phone and talk to people about it. So it's not like she's completely ignoring the potential danger um, so much as that, like I said, if you in that situation, you would naturally just be trying to convince yourself there's nothing going on. And you wouldn't immediately leap to, oh, there's a mass murdering dude and a mass coming after me, you know? Um,
1: yeah, but the thing is, it spends the first 45 minutes doing exactly that. And then mm. for the next fifteen, it doesn't do it at all. And then when we actually get someone who can kind of believe her, she doesn't believe him, and it makes no sense to me.
0: I, d- I don't see that, but um, fair enough. I mean, that but the point sure. is that it's getting you to the the last scene, which is like the final girl scene, basically, because she's the final girl of the movie. Um, oh, and why well, well, does she commit basically- the murders? Well, they've all happened at this point. You know? I mean, there's not really I much mean, to say, like I said, Bob. I was um, just,
1: yeah. I just found it very really interesting that they went, of course, the sex scene, and then they actually started the killings with the boyfriend, like some yeah. really insignificant well, character. to that. We just, it wasn't, introduced it, it wasn't where they started, because, like I said, there's a mention
0: before that that there's been people killed off screen that Michael's kind of like mugged or whatever. Um, and obviously you see that he's killed the dog. And the first person that even is killed in terms of the actual residents themselves is Annie when she's going to get meet her boyfriend in the car uh, when she gets strangled outside of her house. Um, so the order of it would be like Annie first, then Bob, then Linda. Uh, and then, as you say, I think that's basically the extent of the body
1: count really in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. I think the first murder was that. Absolutely the best. Like, it well, up for so long. <laughs> but, uh, when he comes out with the closet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he d- just d- comes out every moment. Yeah. And, like, if that was, like, another false lead, I would have actually been pissed off. Mm. <laughs> but the thing is, I thought, oh, God, please let this be it. And then it happened. And then I was like, yes. And then it was executed so well. And mm. I thought, thank God they finally gone with it. Because this was, I'm looking at it now. I'm, I've got the scene in front of me. And considering it, about five minutes are credits, right? Mm. So that knocks five minutes off. So it's a, a one hour, 25 film. We only get the first murder or second, whatever, one hour and six minutes in. So mm. for the next 24 minutes of a hour and 25 film, that's when all the murders are. Well, yeah, that's, that's why that's the, the lead up is so frustrating for me.
0: That's the nature of this film. But again, when I get to the audience interaction, I think a lot of people basically disagree with you. And that's, again... Oh, I'm completely wrong.
1: I don't care. That's what the the
0: point of the the film is. I mean, in regard to... You could say the same thing about, like, why is Psycho a masterpiece if one person is all that gets killed? But that's the point. It's the the tension of the the moment. But either way, um, like I said, in terms of... By that point, I would think I see what you're saying, but I think you're forgetting that it does that cooling. which, again, it's become a cliche now, but it might have been the very first time you see it where it's like the woman gets into the car and it's like, oh, is there something going on? Is there somebody in the backseat? And then, I mean, initially you don't see anything happening and then she turns on the engine and the guy jumps out and strangles her to death. So by that point, you've seen that somebody has been killed and it has started to happen. Um, but then as you said, that's when it really ramps it up with the whole hiding in the closet and bursting out and pinning Bob to the wall thing, which is really cool. You know, that's that's like I said, that's the most iconic and famous, I think, killing of the of the movie. So um and that is one of the ones that I think gets copied almost exactly when Rob Zombie does do the remake in two thousand and seven. Um because yeah. you can't really not do that. So but no, I mean that like I said, the last the last part of the movie is very almost, I guess, Terminator esque in the respect that it's um It's all just Laurie stalked by Myers and doing her best to escape. And as the final girl, maybe she's got virgin powers and that's why, because she's all innocent and sweet. Um, But I mean, she gets grazed and she's constantly close escaping him. Um, And you get that really exceptionally like the tense scene of her hiding in the bathroom closet, which I really love when it actually stops and shows you like her point of view, looking through the closet, um, like the the little slits in the blinds or whatever uh, and seeing him coming. And then he just bursts through to get to her. I really love all that. I think it's, fantastic um, and again yeah. in, t- in terms of brilliantly directed shots when after that she basically does stab him in the eye with a knitting needle and back in the abdomen with his own knife and he drops and she thinks he's gone and then you get that great moment when th- she's in frame kind of uh, you know catching her breath on the floor slumped and he's behind her and then he just basically bolts upright still yeah,
1: alive and it's kind of the first time that he kind of dies and mm. then he gets revived like you could say i can understand absolutely uh because she drops the knife afterwards after she's supposedly killed michael mm. and then that's it and then uh she runs upstairs because he comes back to life obviously but then after the whole um closing scene which was fantastic why does she then just chuck the knife straight back towards him and then go to the door and then sit down why did you put the knife by him again mm. Well, after he just came back to life, you first of all, you even if you killed the murderer, you wouldn't put the knife by the murderer. Second of all, you wouldn't put the knife by a murderer who's just survived the murder. Hmm.
0: Technically, a murder. That's just horror movie logic, though. Really, (laughs) isn't it? I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. You're absolutely right, and it is. It's frustrating as frick, but. Again, it's horror movie logic is is the kind of, and it's something that if you, when you watch like Scream, it makes fun of all this. Like, oh, um, you know, you're always going to come back for one more scare, so I'm just going to shoot you in the head because I'm not stupid. I've watched enough of these movies, you know. Well, why would you assume the person's dead unless they are? And why would you, like you said, leave their weapon handily available and whatever else? So um, it it becomes to the point where by the '90s, people are making fun of these things. Um, which doesn't necessarily, you know, forgive them. But I think it's it's fun looking at it through that kind of cultural lens, at least.
1: Yeah. Um, and again, I guess it's also logic, like, join the escape. It mm. takes Michael Myers about 40 seconds to just go down the stairs. Oh, of course. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it takes so bloody long.
0: It's ridiculous. Michael Myers, like I said, the, the films themselves even at some points try to explain and people don't like it as like, well, he's got, got to be supernatural because... You know, he seems to be moving too fast and he's pretty much invincible. So, but again, people hate that because it gets into an explanation type
1: thing. So, I get uh, the supernatural vibe because, like, he does come back from the dead mm. a lot. Well, then, that's the vibe yeah. I get. But the thing is, he's so quick in terms of doing these murders. Like, of course, he's lurking and it's all slow. But then when mm. he actually does the murders, he's very quick. Yeah. But then he goes really slow again when he's on yeah. the pursuit for uh, Jamie Lee curtis's character which is really frustrating but that's that's thing it's it's, um, i guess that's
0: the zombie movie logic though isn't it where it's like zombies move at like what two miles an hour or something ridiculous yet no matter how fast the kind of heroes of the films run this incredibly slow moving thing will always be right behind them (laughs) which again it's frustrating but it's become parodied and cliche at this point um, yeah. I did want to get into the I next understand. part quickly, though. I only have a couple of more notes, and I know that you and I both agree that this is a misstep. Um, which is when Laurie takes off the mask and the film actually shows Maya's face. Um, yeah. I, I don't. I think that's the only time it's a huge mis- misstep by the director in the whole movie. I don't think you need that. I get that it's probably to point out that, like, well, this is just a person. It's nothing, you know. That's scarier. It's just a man. It just looks like a man. But at the same time, none of the other movies do that because they realize it's kind of. Scarier to keep things hidden and you don't know for sure. Uh, so, yeah, I just wanted your sort of thoughts on that and what you, because I think you, you more or less agreed, yeah?
1: Absolutely, because uh, I'm just looking at the scene now and uh, I eye is a bit deformed. Mm. And well, I think great. it's more that he just looks jammy eyed, <laughs> basically. Yeah. But, yeah. but uh, to me, I kind of envisioned him as being a really deformed, disfigured person. Mm. that's kind of ugly and that's why they've got the mask on permanently something like that mm. so to actually have that revealed first of all it's really disappointing because it kind of takes away from it at least it's, it goes quickly mm. like i think it was on yes. the face for maybe a second and a half two seconds if definitely that. yeah but i wish i just wish it wasn't seen because again the supernatural vibe is kind of it doesn't get lost because straight after you see him again and he's just standing there fine, even though we were just shot in the head. And then of course uh, the film ends with him not being there. So obviously mm. he's moving. So the vibe is still there. Yeah. But I just But uh, Oh, I'm disappointed that you can see him. And I think that's where the 2018 version does quite well, because yeah. you can kind of see that outline of his left side of his face, but you mm. like the cheek and stuff, because he slightly turns his head when the mask is pointed up to him. But other than that, you don't see a thing. You just see his hair. And even in this film, you can see a bit of his hair um, every now and again. And I think that was enough just to establish that, yes, he is a human, so it makes it relatable. Yeah. But to actually see, see it, less is more Yeah, it's yeah. a common thing. And I think it absolutely is in this film. Yeah, I
0: agree. I think that the whole point is that, I mean, the film even, like I said, takes the time to be like, it's just pure evil. There's nothing there. And so it's much more effective if you as an audience member can just imagine whatever you want in any direction um, and it, i liken it to the fact that a lot of people were peeved when and again apologies if you're not a fan or you haven't seen them but in star wars basically when um darth vader takes his mask off and this thing that's been terrifying because you don't know what it is just a pasty white guy underneath it and you're like oh that's disappointing it's <laughs>
1: comparing things to star wars well in this
0: case it was irrelevant but in no, terms
1: was, of friend um, and I was just saying that exploring the house that's dec- decrepit and old, it's really creepy. Like, I, imagine going yeah. back to your old school right now, and stuff, yeah. your old school is abandoned. Like, mm. have you ever watched the uh, exploring abandoned place video on? Oh by yeah, it? a lot of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrific, and I just think go maybe like imagine your childhood house, for example, mm. and imagine it haunted and Mm. stuff like that. I think that's a really holland place. And then you actually visit a house in this movie and it's of a murderer. And I think that's Mm. terrific. And like you have all the excellent sound design with like the window smashing and it turns out to be like the guttering or something, which first of all, really creepy because you think, oh my God, is Michael there to shoot them or something like that Mm. as he picked up a firearm or something. And then, yeah. But the thing is that Whole walk through the house reminded me of River Song doing the exact same thing and that seems creepy this seems creepy and um I don't know if that's a compliment to the Big Bang. I think it is because, again, this came first and this did it superbly. Well, it's been done in horror
0: films all over the place, but this uh, every one of the sequels gets a lot of mileage out of the Myers house because, I mean, the whole point of the film is that uh, the tagline is the night he came home and that that's the only kind of motivation that you can really give
1: him is that he was just heading back to his childhood home. You know, he hadn't been yeah, anywhere well, else. In, I think it would in be 15. interesting if we had like a shot of the figure just standing outside the house just for a mm. shot. Because we, yeah. I don't think he actually does go home well, technically. He goes to his village, but not to home. Yeah, well, it's
0: I'm not 100% sure, but I'm sure that um, it's just next to or across the road where he ends up putting like a sister's tombstone and where all the murders happen and stuff maybe it's even in that in the myers house but certainly i know in the sequels and definitely in the most recent one which i don't want to get too into it does a heck of a lot with um with the actual myers house and the the idea of it um and of course by that point it's 40 years later so naturally people are just living there you know without a care because it's not a house people only to sell them don't they so um, yeah. yeah but yeah Say no more about that you've already kind of talked about the ending so yes even as a kid i was kind of like surely this guy's got to be superhuman he's just got shot six times and got up but i really love that moment when he she um it's either laurie or loomis or both kind of looks over the balcony and he's just not there anymore um and that's the kind of iconic, tense ending. iconic. iconic and brilliant and um Related to that, the very last shot of the movie being that the director takes you to everywhere that you've been in the film, so it just quickly flashes to all those locations, but you can hear Michael breathing in the background of every one of those shots, with the implication being that either he could be anywhere or evil is just everywhere and you can't escape. Uh, the the way, yeah. yeah, I just think it's a brilliant way to end the movie and it keeps the tension even at the end because you're not given the relief of like, and evil is vanquished and everything's fine. It just ends with like, yeah, you're not safe. So,
1: yeah. <laughs> and the brooding being reused every yeah. single time, and especially when he's like revived and mm-hmm. like in moments of tension where you don't know where Michael Myers is, you can just hear the brooding. Yeah, excellent. Exactly. Excellent decision from the editor or the director, whoever's decision that was. Yeah, definitely. I 100% agree. And that's, that's well, compliments to the sort of sound design doing the work for you, I guess, as well. The sound um, design is very hail miss for me, because I think I touched upon it in the review. It's not just the repetitiveness. Like you mentioned earlier, some sounds are, like, cartoony. Mm, and especially with the it. car scene, I just think they aren't mixed well. Like it, they they get executed at the same time, but they just sound very cheap. Like it's dated, a dated sound like of metal clanging. Yeah it, yeah, it could have been done so much better if you do it nowadays, for example. But that's good, yeah, it probably be more to yeah. film or something like that. But
0: yeah. But, but i do think you have to praise the use of like the wind for example in certain moments when it does kind of cut off and gives you that sort of is he hiding absolutely. behind bushes and stuff and it's kind of the the wind whistling by you um and in particular the sound design of like you said that it it ties his breathing into everything and then at the very end it's over the top of everything else so that's what basically makes that last scene i think is the sound editing or the sound design whatever yeah. you want to call it but um, yeah, awesome. Well, what I'll do, unless you've got anything else that you no, want to good. add, um, I'll jump into the audience interaction section
1: for Halloween well, 1978. Before we do this, because I did realise the other day that some people uh, may be thinking, oh my God, these guys aren't giving a conclusion. We do oh, we actually yes. get the conclusion at the end because yeah. I don't think we ever <laughs> touch upon the fact that we will give the conclusion at the end. Yes, and I I did sad. notice on our, on our analytics that like 10% of the people that get towards the end actually click off as we announce the audience interaction so yes Mm. if you stick around we will be giving our thoughts and i'll wrap up then we'll be moving on to halloween 2018 so do stick around
0: yeah i did mention it up top but again i should have said it at this point we will get to our own conclusions and a score out of five but i just want to talk about the audience interaction because i think it also feeds into what we're both seeing because it's weird how the audience interactions are either siding with one of us or the other but it, it, they they've come down on both sides, if you know what I mean. It's an interesting yeah. little um, sort of snapshot of that. Um, I mean, the thing
1: is, our opinions aren't even that far apart. I'm just less no, but
0: yeah, on some elements. You, when you hear this, you might um, you might see what I mean, anyway. But I'll get into it and just say that mm. the very first person, and this was a back and forth, so apologies. So I I responded on a couple of occasions. So this is a thread that was by um, someone called Rob Birch at Rob Birch, uh, who says. I saw it for the first time ever just last week, and to be honest, I kind of got bored. It takes forever for anything to actually happen, and when it does, it's hardly anything. And there's a few parts that I really don't understand, and from what I've read, you're not supposed to. I also found the soundtrack really jarring and intrusive. It's a great tune, and I like a motif as much as the next guy, but it brought me out of the film more often than not, and it's used to much better effect in Halloween 2018, But I reminded reminded myself (laughs) constantly that this was done 40 years ago and set the groundwork for two generations of filmmakers who built upon and escalated everything as censorship and audiences evolved over time. Uh, I suppose it's explained in the sequels, which I've not seen yet, just the two Halloweens, but the whole tombstone in the bed thing, why? I appreciate that Myers is intended as an enigma and not everything is supposed to be explained, but I found that a bit much. so, yeah, I just basically said it's the tombstone of the sister he murdered that he dug up, it mentions in the film, uh, to which Rob replied, I get that, but why did he go to the trouble of digging it up and dumping it on the bed? And the best response yeah. I had was just basically, he's pure evil, but he respects good symbolism. That's the best <laughs> that he gave me, really, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I bet he appreciates <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, this is another back and forth, but not with me this time. It's between two of our two of our regular contributors. Uh, the first bit was by Mr. Underscore G. Ward, who says, it's a classic and I watch it every year. I think it's best watched with its sequel as a double bill as they complement each other really well. Um, mm-hmm. And then, pretending it's a crinoid, responded to uh, G. Ward and says, sequels that start right where the last one ended are so cool. Shame it doesn't happen often. Like you say, it's a great double bill. I'm pleased by the newest one, continuing immediately from the last reboot in the same way. Felt like a love letter to Halloween 2. Uh, and then g Ward responds, I've not seen the new ones yet, but I like the fact they did that. Having to start immediately allows all the building one did to be used to heighten what happens next. Uh, and I just quickly said um, unfortunately the original Halloween 2 has been retconned out of existence now to which G-Road replied not in my timeline the
1: <laughs> yeah, have got the body about it yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: And, uh, I was like yeah fair play I mean it's all different timelines let, let it uh, let it exist simultaneously if that's if you're happy to and again I would like the original Halloween too, but that's a review for another time. <laughs> um, at, Trek in, <laughs> at Trek in 10 says, the original is a classic. I'm not a huge fan of the horror genre, but I've always liked Halloween. Must have something to do with the Shatner mask, which I did allude to earlier, but just super quickly for anybody who doesn't know. Um, basically, if it, the mask that Myers wears in this movie is an old time Captain Kirk mask from the original series of Star Trek, which has just been kind of devoid of all features and sprayed white. Um, So, yeah, if you think the face looks familiar at any point, it actually is a young William Shatner, which does make me wonder if he ever got likeness rights for all these films, but... (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Um, Set Beard to Stone says, this was the movie that made me love horror. The evil that drives him to do what he does is just there with no real explanation, and it doesn't rely on gore just for the sake of it. It's just creepy and menacing, and I love it. Um, Nice. At Matt Stokes just says, horror icon. Fair enough. (laughs) At Aaron Bossig says, it's a great movie to watch with a few beers and 50 of your closest friends. At at Gabe Wolfgang just says one word in capitals, classic, which at Peter also says, but then adds a little thumbs-up emoji. And at CMH Sean also just says, it's a classic. So (laughs) simple and to the point, I think. Um, The Ham-Fisted Bun Vendor great username, Uh, (laughs) says it's an absolute classic, absolutely love the tone and direction, it works perfectly as the opener to my favourite Halloween film, Halloween 2, the original uh, of course, so yeah just a few more, Uh, Matthew Condello says, a classic, tightly paced storytelling that revels in tension and suspense and not gore, it's scary because uh, (laughs) yeah, I think so, Uh, it's scary because there's still a sense of reality about it and the mask POV helps to build that tension excuse me Michael is predator stalking his prey that's the scary part, not go uh, which I think is cool uh, Dr. Tokula says absolutely a classic and Ramsey Campbell responds it's a slasher film that Val Luton might have produced had he lived it certainly shares his talent for restraint and suggestive reticence which um, again Val Luton, a famous horror director working in the sort of 40s, if you haven't seen the original Cat People it's probably his most famous work um, worth a look, definitely very much a forerunner of a lot of horror uh, so just three more now. Uh, the Fourth three Dimension more, huh? The fourth dimension says it's a seminal classic, but like many other classics, like the Freddy and Jason movies, has seen its power diluted by countless anemic sequels slash reboots that have turned the central antagonist into some sort of fan-worshipped anti-hero. Okay. At Mangler 112 just also says a true classic. And finally, Danny Owen says a classic still holds up for me and then a smiley face came
1: out. Okay, that wasn't as bad as I thought. That was a long section. A lot of people had things to say, but then not as
0: many people chimed in on 2018, so it'll probably make Uh, a a a handful. The difference. Um, So do you want to give your conclusion and score first, or would you rather I went first? Yeah, sure, I'll go first.
1: But uh, I guess I'll do a logline to the conclusion, actually. That's like a disclaimer. uh, Because my score is pretty high. And mm. I felt like a narrative has been built in this episode so far where I may dislike this film. Where no, I, I don't agree absolutely with that, don't. I certainly um, wasn't buying that, no. Yeah, I comp- complement a lot of elements to this film. And again, the final half hour's excellence can be understated. And... Again, if I knock some points off my school, then I've got to justify why those points have been dropped, and I feel like I've also done that. So, yes, it's a high school, but it's not perfect, and I've explained my reasons for that. So that's my disclaimer. But my in-depth review, which is quite long, is, is this movie very good? Sure. The climax certainly is. The Why Laurie threw the knife beside Michael Myers for the second time, especially after the first time he came back from the dead? I just don't know We've went over that. Positive-wise, it's scary. I found myself filling in the gaps a lot and scare myself during these moments when the director could have just went for cheap expected scares. Instead, for opting for cheap scares, the movie dragged suspense out for the best part of an hour. I would call this movie the best movie for suspense that I've ever seen, and that's a huge compliment because mm. I don't think I've seen movies hold such suspense for a long time and for so many times across the movie as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Big praise for that. I also think Jimmy Lee Curtis was fabulous. She got to play a young, though mature adult and she played it very well. And I think she's a fabulous actor. I've seen her in other stuff like Knives Out and a couple of other films here and there. And I think she's terrific. And Donald Pleasance offered a reassuring though pressure rampy upy presence, which is how I expected Like, yes, he's a reassuring guy. He's a kind person. But he also gets the dramatics really spot on as well. So when the story needs to, like, up a gear, he can offer that. He's, yeah. that kind of well, character.
0: he's, he's the character that does what you kind of wanted Laurie to do, which is take everything uber seriously and be like, no, don't even give him, like, an inch because this is pure evil and it will oh, kill you. I, <laughs> I didn't
1: want him to take it seriously at all. I just wanted to, to consistently acknowledge mm. that this guy has been following her because for the first 45 minutes she's really paranoid to the point where her friends are mocking her yeah. and then when she gets to the house this kid sees this figure but then suddenly she forgets that she's been stalked the whole bloody day but that's why I meant not well he does say he's any- seen the boogeyman and it looks like the
0: boogeyman he doesn't just say there's a yeah, guy <laughs> but,
1: you know, sure. either way sure but it happens many times but uh, whatever mm. It has some terrific editing choices, especially with the sound effects here and there that aid the climax to the frights. Uh, Negative wise, I think the film has stayed poorly in the first half hour or so. For example, the carjacking scene falls flat and isn't as scary as I would have liked, especially after the brilliantly eerie sequence leading up to the prison gate. And I also was not expecting the true Mr Myers threat to be delayed for so long. So at times, yes, it did drag for me. Plus, I'm not a fan of the theme music being played every 10 minutes. I'm sorry. I want to watch the whole franchise just to see where they went with this despite knowing is it it's not critically acclaimed as you acknowledge yourself uh, and I gave it a 4 out of 5. Awesome. Uh cool.
0: Um you Michael? Uh my conclusion is uh, just what's left to say about John Carpenter's seminal classic. It's a masterpiece, a perfect film to watch on dark, spooky nights. It arguably kick-started the slasher genre, though I am aware that Psycho, Peeping Tom and Black Christmas all came first, but I'd argue they were less successful. Uh, this film has a sense of atmospheric dread that's never been bettered, and it created the very first Scream Queen in Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, I adore this film. It has a mass appeal, even my mum loves it, and it just feels eerie and compelling at the same time. Aptly enough, the film is just perfect for dark Halloween nights. Carpenter's best work, in my opinion, and a deserved hallowed masterwork. uh, And I would say five stars out of five. So, yeah, the average, obviously, 4.5 out of five overall. Halloween 2018, just to give you a quick summary, is 40 years later. And Michael Myers is loose again. And Laurie Strode, uh, who now has a daughter and granddaughter, has spent 40 years of PTSD living with the trauma of the night in 1978 and has to take Michael on again. And that's basically the film. <laughs> in a yeah, much. Um, so yeah, um, the film basically opens with uh, a very kind of as if you want didn't want to know what time this is set in. It's podcasters, true crime podcasters, which I think is going to horribly date this film in future. But <laughs> yeah, I get it. It's twenty eighteen. You need to point that out. I mean, it's 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 nice that they use it logically to explain how and why anyone would be interested in Michael Myers. And yes, if you look at it as as if Halloween was real this was a a random person that killed, like we said, maybe five or six people after killing his sister 15 years before that, and then has spent 40 years in maximum security jail. Yeah. It's kind of weird, but I do like that, as you mentioned before, there's a couple of really nice scenes that build up the tension, even though these podcasters are stupid as Flip, <laughs> like holding out his mask to him, like, ooh, what, what are you going to do? And Yeah, I just the whole time I just think they're really dumb. <laughs> but I don't understand this. Um, it kind of relates to the audience interaction part, this hero worship kind of like, ooh, you want to know what you'll do? Because you know what he's going to do if you have any sense. But again, I guess you kind of have to look at it as, I'm watching this as Halloween Eleven and you're watching This Is Halloween too, which probably means that you're less kind of, these people are so stupid, it's obvious what's going to happen. But I was intrigued Mm. to know if you did try to see it like that or not.
1: Uh, No, because I think it's very early established, like, this is four years on, first Mm. and foremost. And second of all, because of that time elapsed, it's like a different generation completely. Mm. So you have, like, the three people walking down the pavement, similar to the first movie, but it's like modern day and modern day kids, as I'm sure you acknowledge as well, mm-hmm. are little shits, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's um I've never obviously where it's just like kids hanging around and just like taking the piss in terms of the whole situation, not taking it seriously. And unfortunately, that would probably be what has happened because there's an abandoned house where I I live in my village, and um it's really creepy. But people just see us like a a joke and like don't mm. see it as like a danger at all because they're much more toned down to that so i think the writing is much more realistic in this with how it writes the characters and especially during covid especially if we're relaying it now like people's not ignorance because they know but just selfishness you could say
0: yeah and kind so if of it- very well not taking danger seriously enough because some people are just, you know, I, I see what you're saying. Like, that, yeah. it seems like the survival instinct is missing in a few people, perhaps. Um, mm. So, yeah. But I do sort of, that. that is a criticism I have. Not not of that moment, because cool. I like that that's kind of tension, but when Michael does basically make his escape, and again, it's getting a little bit forward, but he chases the podcaster, to, two characters down into like a gas station. Um, and I just find that kill to be way over the top with the kind of, the, the goriness of it and the throwing the teeth into the bathroom stall and stuff. I feel like the movie is, the movie's going for like intensity over atmosphere and it's like, if this is only the second one you've seen, then Myers hasn't really killed in the sort of brutal Terminator are going to tear your teeth out kind of way yet. Yeah. So it's sort of like, what? Ant- right, the bitter. thing
1: is, he- his head against the toilet door, so maybe he didn't just pluck the teeth out, maybe they just yeah. fell out. Through yeah, no, that's fair enough, but again, the
0: fact that he kills him in such a brutal way, it's also worth remembering this is now a 60-something-year-old man. <laughs> it's like, I'm sure. supposed to believe he's overpowered this like 20-something-year-old podcaster, just to the level of that brutality, it's kind of... Mm. But yeah, you've mentioned the, the film itself sort of points out by their dialogue and stuff, you know, people are desensitised a lot more now, and they expect a lot more Goriness and a lot more brutality, so I suppose
1: at least the film is addressing that. Um, oh, and that's exactly what I want after watching the first one. I want a quicker pace in terms of getting into it, and they absolutely do because the first time we see like, Michael, and I know we see Michael kill his sister in the first movie, like straight off the bat, but in this film, we literally see um, we go straight to the prison, we don't waste any real time, and we get the sequence with I'm not sure if the actor's name. Jeffrey Hall or Jefferson Hall? I don't know who you mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> Je- Jefferson Hall, the podcaster guy. Oh, yeah, the, the guy with the... guy. The, yeah, yeah. First of all, bad performance. I yeah, I agree. Hate it. I it's think they're both
0: bad. I think him and the English actress, that's the other one oh, I don't really like. Yeah,
1: yeah it, like there's a hell, ton of exposition in this... we're well, not a ton, but how she delivers it is so wooden. Mm-hmm. It's really wooden. Well, not wooden, it's just like... It feels like she's reading off a script. It doesn't feel natural to me. So, yeah, the first, uh, the pre-title sequence, you could say, unconvincing, but it does give an interesting, like, vibe. And it's creepy, like, the whole line, don't go across the line Mm. because these people are dangerous and whatever. And it did make me uneasy because it's like, oh, my God, what if he turns around and goes for his throat or something, which I expected him to do, but he didn't. Yeah. And then that was really intense. And then we get to the whole point where he gets the mask up. And then that invokes like a reaction from everyone else, from all the other prisoners who then slowly descend into madness, Hmm. which I like as a concept. And I don't think it could have been executed much better. But just saying, mental patience just doing that, it does make me uneasy, but not for like the good reasons in terms of intensity and tension.
0: Yeah, it It seems um, exploitive almost in a way.
1: Yeah, and gimmicky, I'd say.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, I don't disagree with anything you've said basically there, which is why I'm I'm not just, um, this isn't just me like ignoring you or whatever. I'm just, I fully agree with everything you've said so far. So um, I don't really have a a comeback because you're right. In my mind, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Very good ones, nice. um so yeah, um, again, apologies if my, if my notes here
1: are quite rough because I was kind of trying to watch the film uh, with a uh, fresh eye. Um, hey, but I've made worry. my notes, are well, I have no notes, and so the thing is, I in my review I say there's a plot hole too, but mm. and then I say I'm going to get to it in the review, but then I f- didn't write any notes and I forgot on the plot holes, <laughs> but one plot hole I kind of well, it's not really a plot hole. It's just like a convenience. It's where later we get a shot of Michael Myers with a knife and he's just walking through the streets in a really active uh, street and then mm. we're meant to believe that no one can see the knife and n- no one can see him just stalking this woman through the window, even though there's trick-or-treats all through yeah. the streets. So I, think I do that mention is- that, yeah. Oh, cool. So that was a problem. There's yeah. also a continuity issue I can't mm-hmm. quite remember, and I hope it comes to me, and all I hope you also mention it, if you've I noticed that. I didn't mention but it, but yeah. I, I it, it, at the time, it really pissed me off, because it was <laughs> it was an actual plot hole that didn't make any sense, and it, yeah. it just made the story really easy, and I don't think the right, the writer should have got rid of that but i can't mm-hmm. remember for the life of me and it's frustrating that's, i just want to remind that's... everyone that this is uh this is will who likes this movie better than the original but never mind <laughs> i literally criticized the episode quite a lot i praised it a lot as well but I'm just joking. I'm I, I get to the positives eventually. Yeah.
0: No, my point was that I've made kind of notes, but they're not detailed like exact scene by scene. So there might be some scenes that I just haven't made a note about because they weren't notable or things in the wrong order. But don't worry, I have plenty of stuff to say. And if I have jumped over anything that comes to you, Will, um, or anything, then just shout it out. Um, oh, okay. the, the next note I've made is just because at th- this point we're introduced to kind of Laurie and her family. Uh, and I do think that, First of all, I like that she kind of has this PTSD and uh, it's kind of informed her entire life in a way that it hadn't in the previous like reboots and sequels, uh, which yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis was in. Um, and yeah, I, I find that a way more fascinating version of that character and incredibly well played. So I will say this here, Jamie Lee Curtis, the highlight of this film, absolutely. Um, yep. She's a better performance than not only herself in 78, but anybody else in the 78 movie, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah. I'd say she's still highlighting the highlight in the '78 movie. To be honest with you, yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying otherwise, but at the same time, I still think she's better in this one. But then she's had forty years of acting to improve, you know. Yeah, um, even forty years ago, she was still the best thing in that movie. So yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, there's a reason she became iconic. But yeah, I also find it very interesting that um, the relationship to her family is kind of like this. This this trauma has led to her being distanced from her daughter, but her granddaughter still wants to have something to do with her. It I gives you that interesting that. dynamic, yeah.
1: I didn't like the mother just because the mother was portrayed as like a kind of an antagonist because she kind of gets in the way of the protagonist doing what she knows is right. So that kind of makes her an antagonist because she goes against the lead character, which is frustrating. Not from like a storytelling perspective, but just, it makes me frustrated off that character, especially right. since the writing's insistent on keeping her being to, in a, a word, a bitch, basically. Uh, but the thing is, I really like how the granddaughter, who, by the way, is beautiful, beautiful actress. But I will say though, that um, I, 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 I did make this note that I think the three
0: actresses who are playing the three generations of the Strode family, as it were, are again, the best part of the movie. And I think all three of them for me do a really good job. Um yeah. So that's good. But again, I think Halloween Kills does a lot of favours to certain characters who aren't as well served in this one. And that's all I'll say about that to avoid spoilers. Um, But yeah, Um, again, in terms of (laughs) continuity errors, but this is one you wouldn't necessarily have known of. There's far too many people in this town that still carelessly dismiss Michael Myers as not a threat. And it bugs me, especially once you've seen Halloween Kills, at which point the entire town seems to be on edge about him, and it's the yeah, same the night.
1: Is, by <laughs> this point, in this film, for a large part of the film, he's still in prison.
0: No, but I mean, like once he's out, there is a lot of scenes of people like, "Oh, there's a threat happening, what's going on? And you get cool the cool scenes, by the way, fantastic returning actor, the, the same sheriff, who's like, he killed my yeah. daughter. You've got to take it seriously. And yet the current sheriff and everyone's just like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. It's not a problem. Which, yeah, on the one hand, it's a 60-something-year-old dude and they shouldn't be frightened. On the other hand, wake up. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's, <laughs> clearly people are being killed here. You
1: know? Yeah. Um, and I so, think yeah. you mentioned it earlier, like the graves and stuff. I do actually like how they go to the actual grave, of the sister in this film as well Yes. And yeah, the have, like, yeah and then you have the car waste to the actual event going and then in the background you see like the hand mm. of um i it was that michael i don't believe it was it could have been i'm not sure
0: there's a couple of moments in both this and halloween kills where you're supposed to either assume that it is michael or any of the other escaped mental patients and it deliberately doesn't let you know one way or the other um, yeah. But I think that's, to, that again, that's on purpose because it's to kind of put you on edge of like, well, where is he? We
1: don't know if that's even him, uh, which is really cool. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's a big positive. This film does that really happened, yeah. well. And also when uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Lori comes to the restaurant, uh, we can kind of see the embarrassment from the mother, her mother being completely not, I don't want to say it, but nuts but then, mm. then again she has reason to be because there's a beautiful shot I think just before uh, where she sees uh, Michael leave the prison um, that might have been after it. And while we're on this topic another moment like that is um, later in the film when the murders are really ramping up again where there's uh, a sheet over a dead body mm-hmm. and then the sheriff goes to see it and that's very reminiscent of Michael in the first film where he's got like the sunglasses on which is first of all really funny they're just eyeglasses not sunglasses but yeah the sheet to me looks like a ghost costume
0: with Bob's eyeglasses on them yeah Yeah.
1: and I just think that's phenomenal and first of all it pays him which is the first film but like just going into a room and then seeing something under Hmm. this uh, sheet and every single piece of media I see this kind of trope you could say this horror trope it just works so well and it freaks me the hell out Okay, fair enough. Does it work for you? Um,
0: not entirely because, I've again, I probably, I'm probably i probably desensitized to it. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to lie and be like, oh, it's, it's great. But, again, I've seen that many different sort of horror movies and type of stuff like that, so I've just kind of become used to it.
1: Um, it works every time for me.
0: Yeah, I'm desensitized to a lot of things that might make another person sort of jump or take pause. But believe me, when I was your age and uh, maybe a couple of years younger, I was... <laughs> terrified of everything (laughs) and this is only obviously i've got the audience a little bit a little bit into the weeds here but i'm like twice will's age basically
1: um oh my god don't say that
0: yeah so i've got a lot more experience and time of watching kind of horror movies and desensitizing to them so i fully understand that i'm not really the audience freshly coming into this but um yeah uh, there's a there's kind of a couple of things that i wanted to talk about that are i think uh huge moments in the movie as well uh, in 2018 and i'd love your take on it um okay. and the, the first one is um basically the i like that the idea that um the babysitter as it were in this film which again being one marshall the original um kind of sacrifices herself to save the little kid but i i also hate that scene because First of all, I always find it kind of cheap and really unsettling when any movie, especially a horror movie, puts a kid in danger to try and get a reaction out of you. Because for me, it's just yeah. the ultimate like step too far kind of thing.
1: Um, I mean, I did like very similar to that. The scene where he's going through the house and then there's a baby mm. and for the like but 20 yeah, yeah, seconds yeah. before we get to the room, you just hear a baby crying and you think oh no he's walking towards the baby and then he's going to kill the baby but then he just kind of stops and stares yeah and i think it gives a much not not much needed but still a very nice moment of like character for michael myers himself and like a, a deep dive see, into his psyche on like whether yeah. he would kill the baby and he didn't eat that's stopped. why i hate it you see because to me
0: the character, as, why. the character as established wouldn't be forgiving and it just leaves you with the glaring idea of well why is the movie first of all I don't want to see any kids getting harmed so naturally there's a sense of relief at the end of it of like thank goodness they're safe but then at the same time stop trying to humanise Michael Myers that we're like oh well he has a limit he wouldn't kill the kids
1: it's like no, I, I like that know. because at the start you were mentioning how the movie goes for grotesque and it is like outrageous in some respects, or not like how he kills them. So having that one bit where he does limit himself, I do like. I think it demystifies and it
0: takes away from the supposed sort of pure evil
1: and everything personally, um, and it just
0: leaves me questioning, like why? Why do that? And-
1: that's that's the reason why I don't think it demystifies because you said it demystifies makes me implies that you think that the mystery of Michael Myers has gone away, but you just said yourself you don't know. So it adds more to clear. no. no adds more to a story that could be explored. But I'm glad that it's not explored. Like the equivalent of his face, it like does it does explode more. Yeah, it makes no sense. No, it does way that. too much to humanize him. Like
0: I said, the way you've got to look at it is the way like I said, Donald Pleasant as Loomis was referring to him in the first movie of like, look, it's just pure evil. You can't reason with it. There's nothing behind the eyes. And then you cut to this movie and it's like, but he won't harm children. I, I don't want to know his limitations. He shouldn't have any. That's the whole point. Do you know what I mean? And it's like the moment you start introducing that, the, that it, it becomes but not the like this.
1: I, I haven't seen Halloween Kills, but is it developed more? I I don't think it no. would have been. And mm. then there he goes, like a little throwaway line. Would you rather the baby be killed just for him to stay no, true to his I'd, character? No, no. I'd
0: rather, that, I'd rather that the movie just doesn't have that scene in, to be honest because um, it's not necessary uh, one way or the other but again you don't need it like i said it's the same with the little um the little I disagree the little African-American Respectful. boy being it does the same exact trick later on i think it's trying to make you scared of like oh what's going to happen to a child which i hate anyway because that's cheap um, and then secondly once they are safe it's just to get the response of like oh we're so happy that the kid is safe but at the same time like i said you don't You don't need those scenes. But again, Uh, we probably just disagree on that one either way. Um.
1: But your point about the original babysitter, she doesn't really sacrifice herself for him, kind Mm. of, but she doesn't actually make the conscious effort to be like, no, I'm going to save the kid, so I'm going to die. Oh, I think she does. She goes upstairs to go look for the killer, and then she makes a joke to the kid saying, oh, like, um, someone in here, but then it turns out, that no one's in there Mm. as she thinks then all of a sudden Mm. uh she opens the closet a common thing for michael and then uh suddenly she's just being attacked so it's not like a conscious effort for she just says go get help so it's Mm. it's not really like well
0: just putting herself in harm's way i read it as being quite selfless anyway
1: I don't, I don't. know. She she's trying to escape from Michael. She doesn't want to die. If she if she's trying to sacrifice herself, then she would be killed for the sake of being killed. But she's struggling. She's trying to get to where the kid is. So I don't read it as that. I'll... I yeah, disagree so that's that's definitely
0: how the synopsis on um, sort of all of the pages reads it as like she sacrificed herself but and that's I mean, she, how i technically
1: read it. she does because she does but not it but sacrificing yourself implies to me the definition to that in my hair canon is sacrificing yourself is making a conscious effort to be killed to help I never no, was... no,
0: I think it's more that she puts herself in harm's way, as opposed to just like a selfish decision. Would be you're on your own, kid. I'm just going to run away. She's like, yeah, well, but, no, the... her, yeah, but she doesn't. You know?
1: She doesn't believe that there is harm. She tells the kid that. I don't think you
0: can necessarily know that what what she does or doesn't believe. Either way. Um No,
1: but, no, but she cracks jokes. Like, she literally uh, says all the, oh, get away. And then she, like, jumps around the corner of the door. And then it's like, oh, no, there's nothing there. And she was just uh making this kid uneasy for the sake of being uneasy. And then she puts him to bed. And then all of a sudden, boom, he's in the closet. And then she's getting killed. And then he runs away. So I don't see a sort of, like... Making an effort to be killed so the kid can okay. get away.
0: Not well, it's not, it's not a huge deal in the movie either way, is it? But yeah, narratively speaking, she dies; the kid doesn't. So eh. it depends what um, your definition is for sacrifice. I think that's yeah. where again, that's what we're disagreeing. It's with not really me. relevant. Um, and the next thing that I did want to talk about is the big reveal in the movie of uh, Doctor Sartain. The character's called sort of being um, being basically a, a, a sort of worshipper i guess of myers in that regard and playing it as a shock reveal of like oh he's he's with the bad guy and he's the one that's um pointed that basically is responsible for the escape and pointed myers in laurie's direction um because myers has no particular reason to go after laurie he's not overly bothered basically um which again i don't like that moment in the movie um are you talking about the police car bit well yeah he kills uh well he doesn't he he seems to kill the sheriff, the current-day sheriff, um, the Will Patton character, and then reveals that, oh, I just wanted to study Myers in the wild, and so it was me that's responsible for you know, letting him out, yeah. and it's me that pointed him to Laurie's compound and whatever else, which, like I said, for me, falls really flat, especially if this guy really is a, a student of Loomis. It's a twist too far that's just for the sake of being a twist, especially because in story yeah. terms, Myers just immediately kills him anyway, so... All it serves to do is make it a point that, oh, it turns out Laurie being worried all these years was pointless because he's not even fussed about her. He's only going after her because this dude pointed him in that direction, which is like, yeah. well, oh, that's a bit disappointing. It kills any narrative flow from, like, you know, tension or anything like that. But, I mean, I suppose it's not tension because he would still be a threat and he would still kill you regardless, but... It seems really weird that the movie's like, and everything we told you is a lie. So, you know, and either way, like I said, that that sort of shock reveal, I don't think you need a reason why he was able to escape or somebody helping him. It just seems like they wanted to give you a shock at that moment. But even then, how did he help him escape? That
1: still seems a bit cloudy to me.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's not super clear. It just doesn't fly with me anyway, that big reveal and... uh, yeah. yeah. So, like I said the fact that he's immediately killed anyway just renders it dumb <laughs> I think the way you just what you just says it's a twist too far I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um yeah, it's a twist you don't really need either way. Yeah, yeah. Um the next notes I have are really just all about the cuz I was watching like the finale at this point the um sort of final face off in the house and stuff when um at this point obviously Laurie has gone sort of full Sarah Connor and prepared traps and got the whole house ready. Um and again, this is where I have an issue because she shoots, she shoots off his fingers and everything, and you know this dude, he takes a heck of a beating. But again, that's that's what happens in these films. That's horror films. He gets back. I up, just he remember he the plot hole. Um, what was it?
1: One of the plot holes was you know the, there's a remote device to open the underground <laughs> layer. Yeah, <laughs> the ground layer. Every, <laughs> every, <laughs> every single time they go down there they always open it and then they put the remote by the microwave or something like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They never take in. We never see them take it downstairs with them. So what's stopping Michael just clicking the button to open it at the top? Why does he go through the painstaking effort to rip it up when there's literally a remote there? Hmm. Yeah, there's a few
0: moments like that that I noticed something similar, but I can't put my finger on it. But I noticed a similar thing where it's like, well, this trap is terrible because it just didn't work. And it was, again, you've had 40 years to prepare it. And he escapes it really easily by some dumb way that I was like, you didn't think of that, Laurie? Do you know yeah. what I mean? it's,
1: it's really stupid. Right. In, in a similar way, I like how the like we do go through the house at the end, again, similar to... Uh, the original halloween where mm. laurie just goes around the house but this time it's her own house yes and yeah. uh what i particularly like about this walkthrough is the scene with the mannequins that she was seen shooting earlier yeah and that she walks into this room and that they're just there and they're not supposed to be and first of all it's creepy because you think one of these could be michael or michael could be hiding in this room and it's very likely that he is and of course it does turn out to be him in that room mm. but uh so that's creepy in itself but the fact that he's in his or uh, in her house alone is creepy but you have that additional element and you also have the element that he's manipulating things in her own house mm. so like if you walked into a room in your house and you knew someone was in your house and then they had moved something into a room that shouldn't be there, like toying with your emotions. Yeah, like it makes you scared of being in your own house, and I think this movie does that so, so. Super, yeah, super it's pretty. a,
0: it's something that some of the best horrors do, which is to take a place that should be safe and make it
1: scary um yes that's, that's I, kind of the whole point yeah um i do like um again in the sequence where she goes around all the rooms in her house and like shuts them off with the little uh locking gates she has mm-hmm. in her house installed so it's kind of like um oh shit i was just skimming through the movie and there was a jump scan and then i just it's got scared as i was saying what i was saying <laughs> don't have it I on mean, in the background in the middle of the night dude that <laughs> scared the crap <laughs> of me yeah but um yeah, like that was a really nice touch and like the sound effects were really good and I think it's the sound effects were less hit or miss in this than the original. I think the sound design was phenomenal hmm. in this movie. Yeah, that's fair enough. And then you also have Michael push her out the window or whatever and then again... Michael goes, oh, you yeah. and there, looks down, and then she's not there. So that's, that's my the favourite point.
0: That's my favourite part. I made a specific yeah. note of it because it is a direct reference to the end of the first movie, but reversed. So, like, he's looking for her and she's gone, and she lands yeah. on the ground. I love that. There's a lot of moments like that, as you said earlier, again. Yeah, there's a lot of direct copies of the, the camera setup and stuff and um, of, like, Maya's being there behind sheets one minute and not and then hiding behind bushes. And, yeah, somebody did a comparison video, which... If you get a chance to look it up uh, maybe do so on youtube uh which is like all the shots that are exactly framed the same way in the two movies yeah. and there's quite a lot of them so yeah yeah. Um, yeah again, but...
1: it's in this uh, oh, sorry no no go ahead as again in the sequence where i make a point about earlier ironically it's a negative uh in terms of how it did it similar again we have another scene of like um the granddaughter coming in who was mm. again beautiful beautiful actress <laughs> I now actress that you know I she's enough. yeah yeah exactly but she didn't even look under it she looks like 20 but now like, there, anytime there's a teenager in movies they're usually in their 20s to be fair at least yeah uh, Michael Michael's going down the stairs right he goes down very really slowly again as mm. the granddaughter is downstairs looking for where her mother is. And She's shouting her- for her
0: grandma at the time. Yeah, yeah, I know what you Yeah,
1: mean. and then all the while, Michael was coming down the stairs so slow, mm. and so frustrating.
0: There's a lot of moments that frustrate me like that. And again, it's not to take away from the movie. It's not like I'm saying this ruins the movie or makes it bad. But the fact that the entire narrative is building up to like, and we're now so prepared that there's an inescapable trap when they'd already announced a sequel and we know he's going to be fine anyway. I think it makes the end of the movie fall flat because naturally you're never convinced that he's dealt with. So it does kind of like, yeah, I think you needed a little something extra there to be like, is there a reason why this is more definitive or is there at least an extra twist to it or are you at least going to end on a cliffhanger of some kind like I, they kind of do but they you know it, it's it's a very loose lame kind of tame cliffhanger i would say i mean even um. if i
1: knew it was there was a sequel coming up which mm. i did know there was a sequel coming up i don't think i wouldn't have made it half as much like i don't think it would have fell flying out because i think it's a great cliffhanger mm. i think it's a self-contained story it's phenomenal and mm. I, think it's really, I think it's a great movie. It's not without its flaws, but no movie is. No. Um, what I was going to say is, that I mentioned it to you after I watched the film, seeing the promo picture of Halloween Kills, where it literally is uh, Michael Myers walking out of the house that's yeah. on fire, it mm. just disappoints me that I knew that when I was watching this movie. Ah, uh, yes, right, I see. Great. But then at the end, I was just like, well, I know he escapes, so... Yeah, yeah. See, that, that's
0: the thing. I kind of got that impression anyway, because you know, well, first of all, they'd announced the sequel even if they hadn't released the trailer or whatever. So I think that was a foolish move to start with because they announced it was going to be a trilogy. So you knew, like, well, he's not going to be dead at the end of the first one, is he? Um, yeah. Which kind of, again, it's not the film's fault, I suppose, as much as the publicity, but it still does leave you kind of feeling,
1: well, so what was the conclusion then, you know? Um, I guess it gets you hyped for the third and final film. It's like, oh my God, he's gonna Oh, be yeah, yeah. Film.
0: As it builds up, definitely, 100%, provided it does actually yeah. deliver with that. But, again, with these that's franchise-type it. films, it's it, they constantly kill off the Freddys and Jasons and everything, and then just, nope, turns but, out there's no way to put it. them. It's, like, it's ridiculous because you have to... It, like Even Halloween 2 ends, without spoiling it in a way that he couldn't possibly... Even despite being supernatural and whatever else, at the end of Halloween 2, any rational person thinks, oh, wow, Dr. Loomis and Michael Myers are dead but then when the sequels happen Halloween 4 which is the more direct sequel to 2 it just disregards this completely and say yeah. now nah, forget it, it they're, they're both alive but yeah um, so i just I, I just think Halloween 2018 wants you to believe it's got a conclusive ending when everybody knows it hasn't and if it had just played yeah. it as a cliffhanger i think it might have been improved in that way um yeah fair enough yeah. um so yeah, that was that was uh, the only other note I had is basically that I love that John Carpenter came back and I like his music in this one as well.
1: <laughs> <That> was, <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, that wraps the review up for today. Uh, now moving on to the audience interaction. I yeah, we will. By, should, by the way, give
0: we, we, we should add again. We will give our conclusions and star
1: scores after the audience interaction for Halloween. Yeah. Uh, and for then. Halloween then what- break. And then, of course, we're going to discuss what we're going to be reviewing next time. Well, one of us will be reviewing. Indeed. Uh, So, audience interaction for this, again, as Michael said earlier, is a bit scarce compared to the original one, so it won't be long. Uh, So, Michael, Power tweet, and this is the Twitter ones. Uh, The fourth dimension said, thought it was great, Jason, everything wrong with the other sequels, Michael and Noria siblings. Oh, Jesus Christ, that was a thing? What?
0: it was a huge thing that's why there's a reference in this movie when somebody says that and then um what's the name allison says no that was that's not true it was just all made up um, but yeah oh that was that was the focus of the entire franchise until i just listening.
1: thought that was i just thought that was like a reference to like the media and like the media no. manipulation of it. that's interesting okay i don't like that i guess it could be interesting I, i'll see it's it's very interesting actually it, it kind of works i watched. yeah i can imagine i watched the films his superhuman healing powers, even though he should have been dead many times across these two movies that I've watched, but whatever. And return to focus to the victims rather than the killer. Shame Halloween kill seems to have reversed all that again, though I'm sure you'll disagree with that. Well, yeah, it has it hasn't, first of all. I, I know what he
0: says, because there's there's slight references in the trailer and in the movie where they go like, Oh, the more he kills, the stronger he gets, and it seems to be hinting at a supernatural thing. But again, it never really commits to it, so yeah.
1: Fair enough. <laughs> And then Tom Sly, Z- Tom Sly, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a lot easier where to say the Twitter handle as opposed to the Twitter name. Mm. But Tom Sly Z- says it was all right. <laughs> Maybe I need to see Halloween Kills to fully appreciate it. Okay, Tom Sly. And then we move on to Facebook. Uh, Mr. George White, the Barrowman fanatic himself, said... Jamie Lee is always perfect in these, but I think 2018 allowed her to do more. Best one since two, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, funny, yeah. Um, And then Jay Hildreth said it was okay, but went too much for body count. <laughs> That's what she said. Over suspense, which is what made the original the masterpiece that it is. I would very much agree with that, yeah. And that rubs up the audience interaction. So a similar question to what you asked me, I will also offer you the chance to give your conclusion first if you would like to do okay. so. Yeah, well, I will just so we can switch it up
0: because we did, uh, did the other way around. So we will time. Plus my conclusion is a bit longer. Um, okay. So it's probably best not to finish with it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my conclusion is just in conclusion, this film leaves me wondering why it jettisons every other sequel, reboot, etc. It just comes off a bit like a publicity exercise to me. Honestly, I still think the original Halloween 2 is a better movie, and that's a problem for a film that sets itself up as a superior replacement. It even copies some beats from that film, which seems like a bit of a cheat. Uh, This film has an overall rather incoherent tone, veering between moody horror, extreme gore, comedy, revenge flick, teen soap opera, and PTSD dramas. But things that shouldn't work often do, though. Um, I heard some people annoyed at the comedic moments when a lot of others were laughing, and I myself found most of them to be some of the best parts of the movie. Uh, Additionally, the film takes the idea of using shadows to its extreme, uh, which is often effective, but also comes to a point where several times I literally couldn't make out what I was seeing. Uh, There was honestly a murder which I suspect had a gruesome aftermath, but I'm judging it purely on another character's reaction within the film because all I saw was smudged blurs against pitch black. (laughs) So... Mm. Yeah, uh, I think it should be possible to give a sp- spooky atmosphere without making your audience literally unable to see what's on screen. Um, but what really works here is the film's subversion of the traditional final girl trope. Far from damsels in distress struggling to survive, the ladies in this film are capable and proactive, although outside of the Strode family, they're still vulnerable teenagers for the shape to hack his way through. Um, I didn't like the Dr. Sartain reveal, and the movie seems to be playing it as a huge shock, but it just fell flat, as I said. Um, The film's also not really interested in exploring this or anything outside the Laurie versus Michael dynamic which turns out to be irrelevant anyway and just moves on from everything quickly. Um, This is a problem throughout as characters even disappear from the story never to be addressed again, leaving us wondering exactly what their fate is and what their purpose was to the story being told. Um, But overall, Halloween 2018 is not bad. I was just hoping to come away from this film with far more glowing things to say. Um, Don't expect gold standard Excellence on par with the original, but do see it and decide for yourself what you think. If you have any interest in the franchise, uh, and my score for it was three point five stars out of five.
1: I'm tempted to say oof, but as we know, three point five isn't a, a bad score. look yeah. down on now.
0: If yeah. anybody is interested, by the way, I do have a ranking on my letterbox of all of the Halloween films, and Halloween 2018 is currently in fourth place out of twelve movies, so
1: not by any means back such. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh my review of Halloween 2018 is Dare I Say It Better than the Original. A to that we'll get into the review, uh, whatever. Um, and an unconvincing performance from Jeffrey Hall aside. This superbly modernizes the classic, whilst not repeating past problems from the two 2008, 1978 movie, one of which being, and most notably, the utilization and variants of the original music theme on school, which I really appreciate. And as we got into earlier, mm. uh, scarier, tighter, pace better with the introduction to Laurie's granddaughter. Is this the first time we see the granddaughter? <sighs>
0: Yeah, because that's the nice. thing. Another reason another reason it's rebooted is because she has a daughter in Halloween 4 through 6, a son in Halloween H2O and Resurrection, and now a daughter and granddaughter who are completely different in these reboots. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay.
1: But yeah. <laughs> uh, so the granddaughter offers a character with a surprising amount of personality, which made me truly root for her, which I think uh, any horror really needs. It's like cool. a protagonist that you can... Kind of root for their survival as opposed to want them to die. <laughs> that's mm. not what you want in a horror, or well, maybe you do. I don't know. Um, some people I, do watch them
0: for like the for the actual. I think that's the issue. A lot of people watch some of these for the antagonist and don't care about the the protagonists. And it's kind of like I just want to see how Freddy or Jason up will kill this person. And I'm with you. I think it's better if you actually care for them not being killed.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And then Michael, you did get confused by this line above the people that have a brain. This should be easy to figure out. Yes? <laughs> <Cheers. laughs> I hate horror, but only when it's good. This is why I like to say it now I hate horror. And that wraps up my review of Halloween, and I gave it a 4.5 out of 5. Wow.
0: I'm really happy you liked it that much, to be perfectly Well, given that I bought you the DVD anyway. <laughs> naturally i would true. be happier so yeah so hang on what was your score 4.5 and mine was 3.5 so naturally the average is very easy averages today halloween 2018 would be four stars so yeah 4.5 and four stars definitely two very good films i would say so if you're looking for something to watch uh, this halloween night you could obviously do a lot worse than either of these movies that are called halloween
1: uh so next time michael I will be reviewing alongside regulars, I guess regulars we can call them that. Now our first recurring guests on this channel, I can say that for sure. Uh Joe Popart. Wait, what? No, no not George. Puppert. Puppert. George Popart. George Popart and Jodie Khan. I can you can see where I made that mistake. Uh but yeah, they still will be coming back to review June. That'll be released on the fourth of November. And then afterwards, I'm very looking forward to a crossover with the Star Trek podcast. Yes, which we'll kind of get into the weeds of next week at the end of that episode. Um, but as you know, because you wouldn't be there for that, do you want to kind of hype that episode up? It's only yeah. next time. Yeah, absolutely. Well,
0: um, if you follow me at all, you'll know that I've been doing a um, hit or miss Star Trek podcast as kind of a companion piece to this. Um, but Will not being sort of as knowledgeable of Star Trek is, is sort of he's on as a guest for one, but it's not a co-hosting situation like this. Um, and I only have one episode of that podcast left to go out. Um, as As you're listening to this, the newest episode will have just aired, and that's myself and Dominic Martin. Um, and then To conclude the series, uh, it's a crossover between my two podcasts, and so we will be reviewing on both the Star Trek channel and this channel um, the movie Star Trek 2009, the JJ Abrams reboot, uh, and that will be that will be myself and Will, of course, as the film hosts, and um, my friend Stephen Brown, aka Brownie, uh, who was my first guest on the Star Trek podcast as well. So,
1: see you guys next week. See you in a bit. Bye. Have a safe Halloween, everyone. Take care.